Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a nutshell for you Tuesday morning. It is the 4th of July, 2023. Daniel Pettigrew back in the chair for the course of the next hour to kickstart your sporting day. Broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast, 1300 01 1170. Our open line number, as always. You can also text 0457 736 736, and that's all before breakfast with Vossi and Copes this morning. Trent Copeland in for Brandy, who's made his way to Origin Camp. We'll hear a bit from Brandy in just a second. That'll be for listeners on SCN 11.70 a.m. in Sydney. For listeners on SCNQ and SCN 16.20 a.m. on the Gold Coast, it will be Pat and Heels. Good to be with you Tuesday morning. A lot going on in the world of sport. Of course, Rugby League Origin team's name, the Bulldogs, have poached a tight end young gun as well. We'll get to in just a second. Uh, John Gallo will join me from Poland. I think his last cross, actually, uh, in Poland. Uh, everything going well. The technology will work, and we'll have a chat with him in about 15 minutes. The Matildas have named their squad for the upcoming Women's World Cup only a couple of weeks away. Uh, I think it's Thursday. That, well, I think it is well, definitely July 20, which I believe is a Thursday. So, yeah, just over two weeks away uh, before that gets underway. Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast will be on the line as well in about half an hour to review another exciting and controversial Ashes test. And we're only two days away from the third test beginning on Thursday. So a lot to get through, but most importantly, want to hear from you. one 1170 our open line number, or you can text 0457 736 736. It's two past five. The Hot Topic, thanks to Rheem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rheem. Except nothing less than Australia's best and install a ream, Australia's favourite hot water. Also underway as Wimbledon will give you an update on that throughout the course of the next hour as well. Of course, we know Nick Kyrgios pulled out yesterday, so won't be involved in this year's Wimbledon tournament. All right, uh, lots to get through. Uh, and I will get to the Bulldog signing in just a second of Toby Sexton, which I think is a pretty good signing for the Bulldog. But let's get on to Origin first. Uh, it is a dead rubber. We know that. Origin 3 next Wednesday. And look, I have said throughout um, the Origin series, I love Origin, but it does. I still think, and I'll still maintain this, I still think it gets in the way a little of the NRL competition. But we thought there would be changes. The Queensland side, uh, not too many changes, just forced by injury and suspension. Corey Horsburgh in the side, AJ Brunt's in there at fullback as well. And again, I think... Uh, as what's the case for State of Origin game number two, I think Queensland is going to fly pretty much under the radar, you would think, uh, leading into game three at a call stadium next Wednesday night. You, of course, hear it on SEN. However, the New South Wales side have made several changes. Uh, Bradman Best, we will get to in a second. Cody Walker at 5'8", just among a few that of the changes. We'll go through the whole side in a second. Now, if you missed NRL 360 last night, um, and if you watched it, I'll be interested to get your thoughts on it. If this is the first time you're hearing this, a bit of audio that I'm going to play, interested to hear from you as well. Greg Alexander, of course, part of the breakfast show here with Vossi uh, and his role as the New South Wales Chief Advisor was on NRL 360. He answered questions about a whole heap of things, as he always does, uh, Nico Hines as well. But he was asked about Bradman Best and the selection policy around him by Brent Reid. Let's have a listen to how it unfolded last night on NRL 360. Brent, Buzz asked you about Nico, and I feel for Nico. I think everyone does. But Matt Burton's another guy. If you listen to the reports before the game yesterday, Matt Burton's in the team left centre. Bradman Best scores three tries. Hadn't been discussed by anyone at all leading into the series. Suddenly Matt Burton's out. 
you know, you've got pe people at Penrith saying, why isn't Isaac Tungo in there? Parramatta, why isn't Will Panasini in there? Can you understand that viewpoint that, you know, Matt's had a bad day, Canterbury's had a bad day, and you've just dispensed, you've gone another path based on basically one game? But that's what it feels like. Now, it, that might be accurate, but that's no, how it you, feels. You, 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 you are, you that, that is rude to Bradman Best, Brent. That is, that, that is being rude to Bradman Best. Now, do you think Bradman Best, who was a star as an 18-year-old coming through the pathways, do you think what he's wanted to do all his footballing life was play origin? And, and now you're talking about him, him representing New South Wales on the back of one game? No, I'm that, saying that, that's, no, that's being I'm disrespectful that, that, to no, Bradman Best. That's not what I'm it saying. is I'm being, being disrespectful being to Bradman Best. No, I'm not, I'm not being rude to him at all. He's a good player. But I'm saying, leading into that game yesterday, every every story you read, everything you heard heard was Matt Burton was going to be picked at centre. And Bradman, I don't think Bradman's name had ever been been mentioned. But suddenly after that game, Brad, Bradman's yesterday, Bradman's Bradman name has been spoken about for, for quite some time. Isaac Tago was, was discussed. Uh, Will Penasini wasn't. Uh, Isaac Tago's been in great form uh, playing left centre for Penrith. And, and, and he was an option. Uh, Matt Burton was an option. But we've gone with Bradman best. Don't disrespect him by saying it was on the back of one game. Greg Alexander on NRL 360 last night with uh, Brent Reed. He also touched on Nico Hines. Uh, your thoughts on that, what Brandy had to say there. Bradman Best getting the centre position. Look, he's a good player. Look, anyone that plays NRL is a good player. You can play one game, 300 games. Good player. Um, I have to admit, I was a little surprised when Bradman Best's name popped up, and that's not being disrespectful to Bradman Best. I just thought uh, his name sort of came from nowhere. Now, See what he does next Wednesday night. He might have a great game. Your thoughts on what Brady was saying there? Was Brenton Reed being disrespectful to Bradman Best? And would you have picked Bradman Best or would you have gone someone else? Queensland fans, are you happy to see Bradman Best there over someone like a Matt Burden? Now, we know Bradman Best in there partly due to injury. Of course, no Latrell Mitchell, no Tom Dravojevic. Matt Burden overlooked after that loss by the Canterbury Bulldogs the other not, uh, the other afternoon against the Newcastle Knights. Your thoughts on that? Was he being was Brent Reed being disrespectful? Um, so the team: James Desco, Brian Tuo, Stephen Crichton, Bradman Best, Josh Adokar, Cody Walker. I'll get back to him in a second. Mitch Moses, halfback. Props: uh, Jake Travoyevich, who comes back into the side, and he was excellent um, as a lock of course, on Sunday afternoon against the Roosters. Regan Campbell-Gillard there uh, from the Parramatta Eels. Damien Cook, uh, the hooker. Second rows, Liam Martin and Kian Kulamatangi. Uh, the lock forward, Cam Murray. Interchange bench is Isaiah Yo, Jacob Saifiti, Reese Robson. Clint Gutherson comes into the side as the utility player. Scott Drinkwater is 18th man. Spencer Lee, 19th man. Um, Clint Gutherson, Vossi mentioned him before game two about potentially being a... Utility player he is in there now as the utility player, of course, has that combination with Mitch Moses at club level for the Parramatta Eels. No one going to argue about Jake Dravojevich being back in the side. Uh, the one, on, the other one, I'm slightly confused about uh, is Cody Walker. Now, no doubt in my mind, Cody Walker has been in great form throughout the year, and to be honest, probably was unlucky not to get a spot in Game One of State of Origin. His name was definitely being floated around, not just for Game One, but also for Game Two when Nathan Cleary got injured. Um, however, he's been named for Game Three, and for everyone saying that 
this is a chance for New South Wales to look into the future. Now, to be fair, Brad Fittler and Greg Alexander, as far as I know, haven't actually said that. They just want to name what they think is the best team heading into game three of this series. But for a 33-year-old to be named at 5'8", he, he's not going to be playing for New South Wales for a long time. So, again, maybe they should have gone for someone like a Nico Hines, who was very unlucky to be dropped after the first game, to be honest. Um, Cody Walker at 5'8", as I said, arguably should have been, could have been there, uh, at least on the bench for game one or game two. Didn't name him for either of those, named him for game three. Your thoughts, 0457 736 736, our text number. You can call the open line, 1300 01 1170. Thoughts on the New South Wales team, New South Wales fans? What do you think? Bradman Best, Cody Walker, Clint Gutherson on the bench, amongst others. Happy with it? Not happy with it. And you got to go next Wednesday night to State of Origin game number three if you are in Sydney. And Queensland fans, your thoughts on your team? Love Corey Horsburgh there. AJ Brimson will do well at fullback, no doubt. Um, and again, just flying under the radar, I think, and quite rightly so. Already wrapped up the series, but I think Billy Slater and his Queensland counterparts, Cameron Smith and the team, would love to go for a whitewash and to do it in Sydney as well would be uh, very, very good for them. So your thoughts on anything, Origin? Uh, if Any thoughts? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. And your thoughts on if there is a better way to do this? Um, it has now been going on for six weeks. And in between, we've seen some really good NRL games, but we've seen a lot of one-sided games. Now, that's not all due to Origin, mind you. Not last weekend, anyway. But... It does take away from what is an exciting origin, uh, exciting NRL season. So is there another way you do the origin series? I know we've spoken about it before. Would you just go out and do it three weeks in a row, play some Pacifica tests, have three weeks out from the NRL competition mid-season? I've heard people say play it at the end of the year. I just don't know if that works. But your thoughts, one 1170 or 0457 736 736. Happy to take any thoughts on origin um, and uh, if there is a different way to do it. And if you're going next Wednesday night, happy to hear from you as well. Now, on NRL, the Canary Bulldogs, have, and we know what happened to them on the Sunday afternoon against the Newcastle Knights. Well, they have poached Titans young gun Toby Sexton as their coach Cameron Serraldo seeks an urgent fix for Canterbury's crisis. So Sexton has agreed to terms with the Bulldogs just 24 hours after they were flogged 66-0 by the Knights and uh, one of the worst performances in their 88-year history. Uh, the Titans have agreed to immediate transfer deal. Sexton left the Gold Coast on Monday night for a 10-hour drive to Sydney, and pending NRL clearance could be available for this weekend's clash for the Canberra Bulldogs against Souths on Saturday night. Uh, we know Matt Bowden has been halfback for the past two months, but the signing of Sexton will give struggling Canterbury a bona fide number seven to ease the strain on their star off season recruit. Uh, Serraldo and football boss Gould meet with, met with Sexton last week in Sydney. They're impressed with the attitude of the former Australian schoolboy star who will join the Titans immediately, 22 years of age. Toby Sexton, good signing for the Canterbury Bulldogs uh, there. A nice pickup and obviously the Bulldogs struggling this year for many, many different reasons. We know that, uh, but that was still a pretty poor performance last Sunday, a couple of days ago. Um, I got a text yesterday, actually, uh, in terms of the Bulldogs and Andrew Webster and Cameron Serraldo. It is interesting because coming into the season, uh, and look, there's a lot um, 
lot more of coaching of his coaching career to go, Cameron Serraldo. Uh, same with Andrew Webster. But coming into this season, you, you look at the two coaches that came from that Penrith system, Cameron Serraldo and Andrew Webster. And most of the talk was around Cameron Serraldo and how good he would be. Now, very early on in his coaching career, so it's very early to judge. But Andrew Webster, his name wasn't really mentioned too much. It was mentioned in, mentioned in bits and pieces about uh, what a good assistant coach he had been. But everyone thought he probably had the harder job uh, heading to the Warriors. And we've seen, albeit they lost quite convincingly last weekend to the South Sydney Rabbitohs, but we've seen the difference Andrew Webster has made at the Warriors. So who do you think is having more success? And who do you think, do you back Cameron Serraldo to turn things around at the Bulldogs? As I say, he has been a little unlucky with injuries, hasn't he? Um, over his first year as coach. But what do you reckon? Do you back Cameron Serraldo to turn things around? And are you really impressed with Andrew Webster? Who's had the better of the start? Obviously, I think it clearly is Webster. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Serraldo, not just for the remainder of this year, but next year, could turn things around. Bulldogs fans, how are you feeling about your team 18 weeks into the competition? Because a lot of people thought they were going to be the big improvers this year. And they really haven't been. Injuries haven't helped, though, to be fair. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 A couple more before a break as well. Parramatta star Dylan Brown has been suspended for seven weeks and handed a $40,000 fine by the NRL after pleading guilty to two counts of sexual touching. The band means Brown will be sidelined for another four matches, given he has already spent three games on the sidelines clearing him to make his comeback for the Eels' round 23 game against St. George Illawarra. Uh, Brown hasn't played since being charged with five counts of sexual touching by police after a night out in Sydney's eastern suburbs last month. His lawyer, David Newham, told the court that the Brown had consumed between 15 to 20 drinks over a six-hour period on the night of the incident. Uh, after Brown pleaded guilty to two charges, the court dropped three others. However, Brown still faced an integrity unit investigation, which has now been completed, resulting in a further ban and fine. Uh, the good news for Parramatta is that Brown will be back for their run into the finals. Uh, half of his $40,000 fine has been suspended. Brown has five days to respond to the breach notice. Uh, Andrew Abdo said the NRL does not tolerate unlawful contact, conduct of any nature, let alone offences against women. The education and training requirements will be specifically targeted. Uh, it will also reinforce Dylan's responsibilities as an NRL player, particularly the responsible uh, uh, consumption of alcohol and the impact his behaviour has had, most importantly on the victim, but also on others, his club, and the game as a whole. So Dylan Brown back, round 23 against the uh, St. George Illawarra Dragons for the Parramatta Eels. From a footballing point of view, that is good news for the Parramatta Eels. Saw some people on social media saying that's not enough. What do you make of it? 0457 736 736 from a total NRL point of view, total rugby league point of view, should he be playing again this year? 0457 736 736 or 1300-01170. So that's just some of the stuff on our agenda. The cricket continues to bubble along. Paul Dennett, as I say, from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast will join me shortly to talk all about that uh, remarkable match yesterday. Wimbledon underway, we'll get to that as well. And on the other side of this, your text on Origin. Your thoughts on what the New South Wales team looks like. Your thoughts on what Brandy had to say on NRL 360. Are people being disrespectful to Bradman Best? Would you have made different changes? And are you heading out to the Origin match 
on uh, next Wednesday night. Queensland fans, are you happy about the way New South Wales have lined up? Are you happy with your team as well? Just the two changes, as I say. And is there a different way we could do Origin? one 70 or 0457-736-736. The fallout from the cricket continues. Any thoughts on that and anything else going on in sport? 0457-736-736-1300-0111-70. It is 17 past five. This is Tradies News in a Nutshell. It's good to have your company. 0457-736-736 is our text number. 1300-01-1170. If you want to get in touch, uh, anything uh, sport-related at all, you played your brandy earlier from NRL 360. Might give that another run after 5.30. Uh, anyone being disrespectful to Bradman Best after he was uh, picked for Origin? Your thoughts on that Origin team? And anything, any thoughts on the cricket? As I say, we're going to have a chat to Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast uh, after the next break. Uh, however, just before we get to John Gallo, uh, Australian coach Andrew McDonald is disappointed with the reaction from his England counterpart following the controversial Lord's run-out of Johnny Bairstow, which has sent Ashes relations into freefall. And I, I was going to make mention of this um, yesterday, and I just forgot about it. Before this happened, everything seemed a little friendly. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it in the first couple of days of the test just gone. Players were seemed to be getting on, having a laugh. Not so sure anymore. Um, Brendan McCullum said, I can't imagine we'll be having a beer with them anytime soon uh, after the Australians took a series, uh, 2-0 series lead. The Australian coach said Bairstow's dismissal uh, has, as he strolled out of his crease was the simple execution of a plan and did not... Uh, contravene the spirit of cricket. Uh, McDonald said, there's no doubt when a player is leaving their crease or leaving their ground at certain periods of time that you take that opportunity. I think uh, Pat Cummins relayed there was some conversation around Johnny leaving the crease and Alex Carey took that opportunity. The ball's still live in our minds. He also uh, said about Brendan McCullum's comment about not having a drink uh, after the game. I've heard that comment for the first time, and I'm somewhat disappointed by that. To be honest, when I first saw it, I, I, I thought, hmm, 50-50. But the more I saw it, I don't have an issue with it. And Johnny Bairstow attempted to do this earlier on in the Ashes test anyway. Um, really, I think it is a real storm in the teacup. It makes for a very interesting third test starting in Leeds on Thursday at Headingley. But what about that? Is it is it more than that, and not sharing a drink? It's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see how this all unfolds when that second third test gets underway on Thursday. Your thoughts on that? Has your mind changed? I, I just think it was fair enough. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six or one three hundred oh one. 11.70. All right, it is time to do this at 23 and a half past five. Now on Tradies News, it's time for the latest in football. And as I say hello to John Gallo, there's been news overnight, uh, Australian time. John's still in Poland uh, just for this week. He'll be back in uh, Sydney next week. Uh, good morning to you, John. News overnight about a signing from the Bulldogs by Toby Sexton. Now, just before we get to the football matters that you are on here to talk about, you are a big Bulldogs fan. You've been in Poland the past four or five weeks, John. I'm just wondering, and, and I don't know, I honestly don't know the answer to this. I'm just wondering if the news has relayed back to you about what unfolded at a core stadium on Sunday afternoon against the Newcastle Knights. Are you aware of this, or do you need me to break some potentially bad news to you? Yes, good morning, Dan. I'd uh, first like to say that I'm comfortably staying in my crease as I talk to you today, so I won't be uh, any sold out anytime soon and no chance of, of cheating 
coming when I'm going to the toilets. That's been great. That you know that. Um, yeah, look, I, I have got the news. I did get the news when I woke oh. up here in Poland and on a beautiful sunny day and Sunday morning to obviously open up my mobile phone and get the lovely news that the Newcastle Knights put a 66 nil thrashing on the Canberra Bulldogs. And look, I did watch a bit of the highlights as much as my eyes could bear, and it was a pretty dismal performance. It was a, a lackluster show of effort and just the sweat, blood and tears that you want from your players, just the basic things that you want from your players just not showing up at all and uh, very, very disappointing stuff. I have to say, obviously, as a Bulldogs fan, it's quite disgusting, really, when, when your own players can't dish up a, a, just a basic set of effort. That's all you want from your players and uh, we can't even do that right. So it's um, it's a real dark hole that the club is in, obviously. And I did watch a little bit of media around Gus trying to explain online about the fact that, you know, we have got more debutants than anyone else in our role this season. We do have a bunch of young players we have hit a little bit of an injury crisis as well with some of our more experienced players. I get that, but you know, I just wonder how more patient can the Bulldogs fans last? You know, we keep hearing about this rebuilding phrase and the fact that you know it's going to take a long time. I think Bulldogs fans, you know, those who watch the Dogs week in and week out, we know that it's going to take a long time to rebuild the club. We understand that, but we've we've been patient long enough now, and I think. When you've got these big signings like Reed Mahoney, Josh Adokar, Matt Burton, Tavita Pangai Jr., guys that are on $800,000 plus a year, plus the add-ons, uh, you do want, you know, you do expect better from those particular players, your more experienced guys, to guide the young guys around the park. And I just think when you're struggling like this, you've got to look at some of those more experienced players on, on better pay, who are, you know, obviously come with, with more expectations but just aren't stepping up to the plate at the moment that we've come to expect from them. So I think in the short term, you still need to get results. You still need to be a competitive footy side. And for the Bulldogs fans out there, we're suffering at the moment. We're just not getting that basic competitiveness out of our team. And that's unheard of. When you think about the Bulldogs, you think about a competitive, tough footy side. We don't always Mm. win, but we always make it difficult for our opponents. And at the moment, we're not doing that. We've just been a walkover at the moment. I think if we play the West Tigers or the Dragons or those teams that are in around us at the moment, I think, honestly, we'd struggle to beat them, to be fair. Um, in terms of Toby Sexton signing the halfback overnight here in Poland, I did wake up in the morning, heard that news from the Gold Coast Titans. Look, he's a player that doesn't really excite me, to be honest. And I have saw some of the comments on the Bulldogs social media pages uh, this, this morning, this afternoon as well. I think the general consensus on Bulldogs fans is, look, he's probably something that can fill in a void for us at the time. We need someone maybe to go in at number seven to guide us around the park a little bit, a little bit better than what we've mm. seen already. Um, but is he going to be the answer till the end of the season or in the long term? I don't think so. I think he's just a bit of a gut pillar with all respect to Toby Sexton, um, but he's not a player that excites me. So um, we'll wait and see what unfolds, but I, I don't think it's a signing that's going to allow Bulldogs fans to jump up and down anytime soon. And do have a few texts on Toby Sexton. I'll get to in a second uh, from Bulldogs fans that signing uh, could well play this weekend for the Bulldogs. It's interesting, and we'll get to the football now, but it is interesting. We were speaking yesterday about, obviously, the Tigers lost 74-0 to the Cowboys uh, on Saturday. That's an awful result, and the Tigers in a world of pain. The Dragons got smashed on Thursday night. But uh, when you think about, probably taking the Dragons out of it a little, when you think about the Tigers and the Bulldogs' results, uh, and 
and this is no offence to uh, any Newcastle Knights fan. We've got uh, Charlie Goodsir in the office who's a big Newcastle Knights fan. But when you look at the results, the Tigers lost to a team that is potentially going to make the top eight. Uh, the Bulldogs lost to a team that hasn't been setting the world on fire at all this year. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's get to some of the football because we've got Paul Dennett coming up uh, shortly from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. John, uh, you updated us on some of the transfer news last week as we build up to the next Premier League season. What's the latest there? Oh, mate, quite a bit of news going on at the moment around quite a few different uh, things happening. We've obviously heard overnight that uh, Newcastle's completed the signing of Canali from AC Milan. He's now signed on to join Newcastle United, which is a big signing for them. Obviously, Declan Wright uh, has been confirmed for Arsenal at the moment. Uh, we've heard about Harry Kane possibly leaving Tottenham Hotspur this summer, uh, he's been offered by Bayern Munich in around that 100, 110 million pound mark is what we're hearing. So whether or not Harry Kane decides to leave Tottenham, I think will be a big blow mm. and Spottisoglu and his plans going forward for Spurs this season. Uh, obviously, we heard Man United have gone back into the market to offer Mason Mount, the former Chelsea midfielder, 55 million pound move plus a 10 million goal bonus on top. So that looks like it's going to be completed. He's currently doing his medical at the moment. Liverpool have signed, and forgive me if I get the name wrong, but the long name of Shabashalai from Red Bull Salzburg, a midfielder that comes in with a lot of potential. He's been given a lot of raps overseas in the European market, so look out for that. And we are hearing more news coming out of Saudi Arabia at the moment. Riyad Mahrez, the Man City forward, can't be offered a huge signing bonus to join Saudi Arabia, uh, the Pro League over there. Uh, N'Golo Kante has already joined. Karim Benzema has already gone over there. We know uh, Kalulabai from Chelsea has also made his mark to Saudi Arabia. And Steven Gerrard. Uh, we know Steven Gerrard and his time in the EPL. It was a bit of a struggling time at Villa. He's now joined uh, the Saudi Arabian League as well. Al Edifag is a, man, is a team that he's gone to join over in the Saudi Arabian Pro League. So it's not just players that uh, Saudi Arabia are currently uh, mm. getting out, but also past players and managers as well. So... Quite a bit happening. Obviously, there's a lot more to unfold as the days and, and hours continue in the transfer market. I'm sure we'll hear plenty from the likes of Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal and Spurs as the uh, hours and minutes count on. So, uh, yeah. yeah, a bit of transfer news happening at the moment. Yeah, and not too far away from the Premier League season starting as well. Now, the other thing that's not too far away from starting is the Women's World Cup. Just over two weeks, Australia have named uh, their 23-player team uh, for this tournament. What did you make of it, John? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really strong uh, Matilda side mixed with experience and a bit of youth. Obviously, goalkeeper Lydia Williams comes in. She's been a, a strong uh, stalwart for the Matildas for many years. Obviously, we know that Sam Kerr up front, the mm. captain, leading the way, had a terrific season last couple of seasons with Chelsea in the Women's Premier League over there. So, uh, as long as she's injury-free, I think she'll do terrific for the Matildas. And also, in that midfield, Emily Van Egmond, uh, Gary Van Egmond's daughter, uh, she's got a lot of experience playing overseas in Europe as well, applying her trade. I think she'll do terrific. Uh, and the likes of Claire Poggenhorn, another defender for the Matildas as well. So along with Norway, the US, Brazil, um, I think Australia, the Matildas are going to be quite confident and they can really go toe-to-toe and go deep in this World Cup. Obviously, being the host, there's going to be extra pressure on it. But I just feel the Matildas, this World Cup, are really in a good position based on their 23-man, women-man squad that they've got. So, uh yeah, fantastic, and I think it's going to be a mix of experience and youth that will really set the uh, the record straight for, for the Matildas. So and a really strong squad all up, I think. And a good story surrounding Kaya Simon as well, uh, 
eight-month recovery from an ACL. That's incredible. She's been named in the squad, has played 111 games for the Matilda. Sam Kerr uh, says she just wants it to start now. And it's something you'll never take for granted to do it on your home soil. It's once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I can't believe in 20 days' time or whatever it is, least, I think, isn't about 16 days' time, we're going to be hosting the Women's World Cup. When I first started playing for the Matildas, I could have never dreamed of this. I think once that gets around, and it's still floating a little under the radar with the Ashes, Wimbledon, the NRL season, Origin coming up next weekend, but once that gets underway, I think that is going to be a very, very exciting time for Australian football. John, what is also very exciting is that this time next week when we chat again, You'll be back in Australia. You'll be back uh, on your balcony looking over the harbour. I'm glad you're not here today because uh, in Sydney, at least, uh, for our listeners through 1170 in Sydney, fog has blanketed the city, uh, the city. So, obviously, be a little careful driving if you're getting anywhere early on this morning. John, great stuff. Safe travel back. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you next week with no doubt a bit of jet lag as well. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And just quickly, I know Aaron Moy, your retirement uh, from yep. the game, I'll just touch on that quickly. I think he's been fantastic and a, and a big loss for Australian football. Had a group mm. play career with Celtic, obviously uh, with Huddersfield and the promotion to the Premier League and uh, some, some fantastic times in both World Cups with the Socceroos. So a big loss there for Australian football. Uh, really looking forward to coming back to Sydney, mate, and uh, catching up soon. So looking forward to it. Yeah, very much looking forward to it. Safe trip back. We'll chat soon, John. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. John Gallo on the line from Poland. He'll be back with me next week. And, of course, we'll be all across the Women's World Cup, which you will hear on SCN. A text here before a break. This is from Junior Smithy. Uh, morning, Dan. I don't mind the signing of Toby Sexton, but our biggest issue is our four-pack. Maybe we should dump Tavita Pangar Jr. and make a play for Tino and his younger brother. Uh, yes, thank you for that one, Junior Smithy. A lot of news around him. David Feeder as well floating around this morning. And this from Chuck. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, oh, yes, I did get it wrong. I hate to get technical, Dan, but the Bearstow dismissal was a stumping, not a run out. He signs it off, though, from Bradman Best's biggest fan. Uh, well, Brony would be a big fan of you then. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. Thoughts on the New South Wales team? Uh, are we being disrespectful to Bradman Best? 1-300-0111-70-0457-736-736. Also, the Bulldogs signing Toby Sexton. Are you happy with that? And still on the cricket. Uh, do you think the fallout has been a bit over the top, especially from the English? 0457-736-736-1300-0111-70. On the other side of this, we will speak cricket with Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. It is 25 to 6. It's coming up to 20 minutes to 6 o'clock. We'll update you on Wimbledon shortly, but for now, time to do this. Now on Tradies News, let's get the latest in cricket. Tuesday morning, Tradies News in a nutshell. Keep the text calls coming in 1300 01 1170 or 0457 736 736. Time to turn our attention to the cricket. Uh, just over 24 hours since uh, the second test ended. It's only about 48 or so hours until the third test starts. So busy time. Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast is on the line to talk us through it. Morning to you, Paul. G'day, Dan. How are you going? Yeah, very well. Hopefully you caught up on a bit of sleep uh, tonight. I'm sure you didn't get much sleep over the weekend. And you don't get much time to catch up on sleep with the uh, third test beginning on Thursday, which we'll chat to you about in a couple of days. But let's look back at what was another entertaining second test. Australia going up 2-0 in the series, making it very hard for England. They'll now need to win all three games. Not impossible, but very tricky. How do you see the second test? 
Oh, what an incredible game of cricket. I think the barometer for me is I've got a mate who's um, rugby league only, and even mm. he was um, was texting me during the match saying he's watching this. I was like, well, I know that cricket's really crossing a massive threshold, but I, I just couldn't get over that period just before lunch uh, when Stokes hit three consecutive mm. sixes to bring up his 100. Uh, the, the crowd was uh, going off in a way that the Lord's crowd never does. Uh, with the sort of the background of the, the Johnny Bairstow stumping and, um, you know, bouncer after bouncer. Ricky Ponding said the stat that there were more players hit on the body in this test match than any other match since um, those kind of records mm. began 17 years ago. So it was a brutal, captivating, insane spectacle. Um, and in the end, the Aussies are on the right side of it. Yeah. Can I just ask you, you just mentioned those bouncers. I was watching a bit of it on Saturday night, or Friday or Saturday night, I think it was. Um, and the bouncers, England just changed their complete attack. And it was a lot of uh, short balls, it was mainly like three or four balls and over. Um, I know some of the commentary, both on TV, radio, social media, were quite critical of it, saying it's not very interesting. And I understood that point of view. Where did you see that, especially on that uh, first session? on Saturday night. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, to be fair to them, it ultimately was effective, mm. but it was just insane. It was 98% of balls were short. Yeah. Um, and the thing is that there are actually a couple of things in the laws that the umpires can do about it. One is if it's um, likely to cause injury, they can step in and they're instructed to not take into account the protective gear that the batters are wearing. And two, if there are consistently balls over head height um, in the batsmen standing at their normal height, they can also step in. And I think it's a, um, a pity that the umpires didn't because uh, it's, it's fun for half an hour, but then after that, when you're just seeing bouncers and batters mm. kind of gently hooking balls and taking singles, it does get pretty stale pretty quickly. And it is dangerous that um, it, they do have all the protective equipment, but Jimmy Anderson got clunked back massively on the head towards the end. And, you know, someone will get injured at some point. So I, I think the umpires really should be stepping in because it's... The, it, there's a better spectacle than that can be can be offered. Yep, agree with you. Now, one of the controversial bits of the match, there are a couple of controversial bits occurred on the last day. Johnny Bairstow out. Uh, what did you make of it? I must say I was asleep when it all happened with uh, these wonderful hours that I work, although you somehow managed <laughs> to uh, no, I just don't think you sleep, Paul, but uh, I was asleep, <laughs> but I woke up yesterday morning and Twitter, oh, I saw on Twitter, in fact, I went on Twitter before I actually checked the result of the match um, and all I t- saw was um, some people saying happy with it, some people very critical of it, including some Australian fans, some people in the media. What did you make of it? Was it fair or not fair? The polarisation is unbelievable. Mm. Uh, straight after the game, I went onto the Times website and read two very well-argued um, articles that were both absolutely convinced of their certainty and mm. both arguing 180 degrees opposite <laughs> points of view. <laughs> The first one was saying, this has undone all the good work that Australia has done since Sandpaper Gate. They've proven themselves once again to be blah, blah, blah. Was, you know, categorically smashing the Aussies. Mm. And the second one was, Johnny Bairstow's a dozy fool and he deserved mm. what was coming to him. So <laughs> I, I probably, if anything, actually have a third opinion. And that is, mm. I have no, um, I, I don't call the Australian sportsmanship into question at all. Mm. Um, you know, Alex Carey saw an opportunity. But when he threw the ball, Besto was still actually standing in his crease. It was mm. kind of an, an anticipation of him um, sidling out. It is professional sport. There are small margins. You know, mm. we've had this whole debate about Mancat in recent times saying, ultimately, you can't expect players to play by some sort of nebulous spirit of the game. The laws are there. Follow the laws. And Johnny Bairstow in strolling out like that was kind of um, 
casually disrespecting um, the laws, so there's nothing wrong with what the Australians did. Having said that, I suppose um, I would have liked to see the Australians call him back. And I know that they wouldn't, even, wouldn't have even contemplated doing that. They would have said, well, we got done by the letter of the law yesterday when Mitchell Stark's catch was mm. struck down. So um, we're happy to abide by the letter of the law and, uh, and that's the way that it goes. I, and I, yeah, I'm not criticising them, but I just think it would have been a, um, a wonderful sort of gesture, probably out of the 1950s of what an Australian captain might have done back then. Lots of your listeners would be saying, mate, um, go back to the 1950s, you boring old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting. It has divided, uh, well, definitely divided people in Australia and the UK, but there are some people with differing views who support Australia who, a bit like you, maybe thought uh, they should have called him back. Uh, you mentioned Ben Stokes's innings, fantastic innings, almost got them home, lost by, what, 43 runs. Um, Basball, Ben, a topic which I think we probably heard more out of the first test than the second test, but it's still been a hot topic. Now they're 2-0 down in the series um, and I've referenced a couple of times an interview I saw with Ben Stokes before the start of the series saying they're not going to change the way they play. Uh, they have to win the next three tests. Do they change at all or do they keep with the style that has brought them a lot of success up until this series? I don't think they'll change fundamentally from it, but I think that they will get a little bit smarter. That You, you could look at this and say that the moment that they suddenly switched from looking like having a, a faint chance to they actually were favourites uh, before Stokes got out mm. was because Stokes went full bad ball. Like he hit three consecutive sixes to bring up his hundred. He was Australia had literally every single fielder on the boundary and Stokes was clearing their heads. It was extraordinary. Mm. Um, that that was kind of bad ball at its purest. There have been other aspects of it where they've got a bit reckless and got a bit. Um, um, probably just a little bit silly, and I think that maybe they can tighten up on those things. Mm. But, yeah, I don't think they're going to change, but the challenge is, and it's one of my favourite stats, the only time a side's ever come back from 2-0 down to win a five-test series was when Bradman scored 270, 212, and 169. And so good luck, England, if you can find someone who can do that. But they, you just never know. The way that they play, extraordinary things do happen. Uh, we'll talk more on Thursday morning about whether you see them doing that. One thing that will help them is Nathan Lyon. It was sad to see his 100th consecutive test match uh, did his calf out for the rest of the series. That's a big loss. I know Todd Murphy has played well in India, but that's a big loss for Australia. It's a big loss, and it's just a, it's just a sad thing to see as well. But um, uh, It was kind of nice seeing the English fans' reaction that Nathan Lyon, while he was hobbling on his crutches, went and signed a kid's um, uh, autograph, and there was mm. this feeling of like, this guy deserves better than this. Uh, the ironic thing was that he was playing his 100th consecutive test match. No bowler in history has played 100 mm. consecutive tests, which shows how much bowlers do get injured. So it was really sad seeing what happened. But the way that he came out, hobbled out there um, and scored the runs, uh, he put on that partnership of 15 with Mitchell Stark. They're bowling bouncer after bouncer to him, which is difficult enough when you've got two legs, when you can barely move one of them. Mm. It was very courageous, the, the way that he played. Um, I think it calls into question that I think the time is right for cricket to say we should be allowed to have substitutes for specialist players, but that's probably an, another conversation. Mm. Part of me wanted Australia to win by less than 15 um, <laughs> so that it could be then absolutely confirmed that what he did was, um, was pretty special, but it certainly was. But um, Todd Murphy, very fine replacement. Uh, but, it, yeah, it's, it's tough to see the way that Nathan Lyon was struggling. And just quickly, do you expect, and we'll talk again in, what, 48 hours' time, do you expect, obviously, Nathan Lyon will be out, do you expect any other changes considering how close, and we mentioned it last week, how close these tests are together? I think that they'll probably be reluctant to make any changes, and I think that 
the I, I I thought that maybe Mitchell Stark should have been not included in this one, but included in the third. Mm. He'll, I think you'd be very difficult getting the ball out of his hand now. So I think the Aussies, um, unless there's a, a, an injury that someone has picked up, I think the Aussies will be intending to go in with the same 11 minus Lyon and, and, and plus Murphy. All right, we'll see what happens. Paul, will chat on Thursday. Of course, the third test at Headingley will begin on Thursday. We'll try and have a chat with Julissa Raps as well on Friday morning over there. But Paul will speak on Thursday. Looking forward to the third test already. Good on you, Dan. Me too. Thank you, mate. Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast talking all things Ashes. Yeah, always good to have a chat with Paul Dennett. He'll be back with me on Thursday morning. Can't believe it's all on the way again on Thursday night at Hittingley. Time to do a Wimbledon update for Stan. Uh, Wimbledon is now streaming on Stan Sport. Watch every match ad-free, send a court in 4K and Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, AATC.com. Tennis. Uh, Venus Williams has just been in action against uh, Svitolina. Unfortunately, uh, Venus Williams going down 6-4, 6-3, unfortunately, uh, for her. We also saw Jordan Thompson, from an Australian point of view, get a win. Five-setter, 2-6, 2-6, 6-4, 7-6, Novak Djokovic also getting a win overnight, as did Iga Swiatek. Nick Kyrgios, as we know, pulled out of uh, Wimbledon yesterday with the wrist injury, so he won't be featuring this year, of course, last Last year's runners-up. Alex Dimonor will be in action tonight at around about 9.15, his first round match as well. Australia's big hope from the men's side. He'll be playing, 15th ranked seat, he'll be playing at 9.15, around 9.15 tonight. And of course, Brett Phillips will be on both Vossi and Copes and also I imagine Pan and Heels as well to update you on the tennis. That is an update for Stan Sport. Wimbledon is now streaming on Stan Sport. Watch every match at free, centre court and in 4K. Couple of texts finish things off. Uh, this one from Mike. Read Toby Sexton to Bulldogs. I was never that impressed with him, and I think the Titans feel the same way, quite frankly. Also, he is way too small. Read Dylan Brown. I heard Matty Rogers say last night on Sports Day, if Dylan Brown offended again um, against his daughter, he would have served the rest of the season on the sideline. That sums it up for most of us, I reckon. Thank you, Mike. And this one, uh, I think Lenu should have come should come in for Isaac Yeo, uh, Yeo. I just don't think Yeo uh, adds that punch and aggression you need from middle of the bench. So Yeo out, Lenu in. Uh, thank you for that text. More reaction to the Origin side named with Vossi and Copes coming up after 6am. Patton Hills for our Queensland listeners. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning from 5am. Have a great Tuesday news and then the breakfast shows.